You're listening to Hungry Gen Audio Podcast. It's great to be at this conference this evening. I had no idea what I was coming to. Well, that's not true. I had a little idea. Because for the last several years, when we've had seminars in the Portland and especially Seattle area, we've had a number of young people from Hungry Generation attend them. And I remember a year or two ago, a group of these young people came to me and said, you must come to the Tri-Cities. Okay, why should I come to the Tri-Cities? What's in the Tri-Cities? I really didn't know. And they just kept asking. And finally, Pastor Vlad contacted me. And, and now that I'm here and experience what has happened in this place tonight, I am absolutely blown away. I have, I've been sitting back there tweeting all my followers on Twitter. I think I, I, tonight I actually out-tweeted Trump. <laughs> and uh, sending out the, uh, the live link to what's going on. Hello, everybody. And just letting people in on the secret of what's going on over here in the Tri-Cities. This is astounding. And I am genuinely honored to be here. It is a privilege to be with such an amazing group of people, especially you young people, who are so fired up for Jesus. I'm telling you, it just has supercharged me tonight to be here. So thank you, Pastor Vlad, for the privilege you've extended to me of sharing in what is happening this weekend. Now, I'm going to be here tomorrow night. That'll be at 6 o'clock. And then on Sunday at 11 o'clock. I'm going to do a little introductory speaking tonight. We'll get into our hardcore themes on tomorrow night and then on Sunday morning. I'm going to be speaking on the subject of curse breaking tomorrow night. Some of you know one of the 35 books which I've written is simply entitled Curse Breaking. How many of you have this book? Actually, quite a few. All right. So we're going to explain to you tomorrow night what a curse is and why it is so important to break the curses in your life, even the curses you don't know that you have. And then we'll move on from those themes into other spiritual warfare topics on Sunday morning. Tomorrow morning, you're going to have a meeting here at 10 o'clock. Pardon? Did I get it wrong? It's 10 Sunday, 11 tomorrow. I've, I've been doing this all day. It's just a mental block. I will be here tomorrow morning at 11. But I won't be alone. I've invited somebody special to join with me. I don't know how many of you are on our blog list. How many of you get my blogs? Well, actually quite a few of you do. If you know something extraordinary happened this week, the most read magazine in America, I hold in my hands, People, People Magazine. It's almost impossible to go in a dentist or a doctor's office and not see a People magazine. You can't check out at the grocery store without passing by a People magazine. And for several decades, it has been the most popular red magazine in America. 
50 million people, one way or another, around the world, read this magazine. How many of you have seen the issue that I hold in my hands? Only a few. Get to your newsstand, get to your grocery store, get to your drugstore, get a copy of this issue. I've had many wonderful things, blessed of the Lord, that have happened in my ministry. We've had the privilege to minister in more than 100 countries. We now have over 8 million viewers on YouTube, which is amazing. And we've had the privilege of being on almost every major cable and broadcast television network and all the major television shows in America, from Dr. Phil to Oprah to Riley to whoever, just got a call from Dr. Oz this week. That should be interesting. They're very anxious to get us on. And a couple of years ago, I almost made it to the cover of Rolling Stone. <laughs> now, you got to be a little older to remember the song. Anybody actually remember that song about being on the cover of Rolling Stone? Uh, but, the, but the picture got kicked off the front page. But I must tell you about a secret ambition that I've had. To be a centerfold. Well, this week, we made it. <laughs> Clothes on, cross in hand. This is People Magazine. Is that incredible? Now, I don't know what you know about magazines like this, but most of the Hollywood stars pay big bucks to publicity agents to be in magazines like this, to be seen. And most of the articles you'll read in a magazine like this didn't just happen. They were placed there by a publicity agent hired by somebody famous in Hollywood who said, get me in People Magazine. It will help my path to stardom. I don't have an agent. Well, that's not true. <laughs> this didn't cost us a dime. This is a four-page, six picture spread, and there we are. And some of you know about the teenage exorcist, my daughter and her two friends, now known as the All-American Exorcist, who've traveled all over the world with me, casting out demons. And they're obviously a little better looking than I am, so they're included in the picture in the article, too. This is truly, truly a stunning opportunity. As you may know, know the idea of casting out demon is not well accepted in most Christian circles. But what God has allowed this ministry to do is to bypass the ecclesiastical gatekeepers who don't want a message like this to be heard inside the four walls of the church. So you know what? In one issue of people, we reached more souls with the message of Christ's power of deliverance than if I had a television show on every Christian network in America every day for a year. This is something Jesus did. So I praise him for it. Hey, run out and get a copy of People Magazine and tell everybody you know. Because... Jesus is glorified in this article. It's very bold witness for Christ. And I also wanted to mention that my daughter right over here is flying in later tonight. She's going to be joining me. She's going to be speaking tomorrow morning. She has traveled, thank you, all over the world with me. She's grown up in the home of an exorcist. And it wasn't, and she'll tell you the story tomorrow, until her 16th birthday that God spoke to her. 
about becoming an exorcist. Now, she's 22 now, a senior at Arizona State University. She's going to become a doctor. She's preparing for medical school. But as she witnesses on the pages of this magazine, the idea of ministry to people bound by Satan is something she knows she will carry with her her whole life. And she is going to be joining me tomorrow morning. So you do not want to miss being here tomorrow morning at 11. <laughs> All right? And I'm going to thank you. Make sure you're here. Now, can I just say something? She will kill me for this later. But if there are some of you young people who go to bed after 10 and want to stay up a little, she is flying in at 11.58, coming out to the airport with a little sign that says, Welcome Bryn, that's B-R-Y-N-N-E. Welcome Bryn. And do something special for me. If you come out and greet my daughter tonight, I will get your demons. Is that a deal? Now, she's a beautiful young woman, and she's been a model, and she's been on the pages of Marie Claire and fashion magazines all over the world, but I would like a few girls to come tonight, too, okay? <laughs> Seriously, if some of you like to join me, we're going to be picking her up at midnight tonight, so come on out and bring a sign that says, Welcome, Bren! All right? Because she has no idea what to expect. So, we're going to have a great day tomorrow. I'm really looking forward to this weekend. Before I speak, there were several allusions to a certain individual that you need to meet, and I want to introduce her to you. Very dear, sweet lady. There are several divisions to our ministry, and one of the divisions of our ministry has been referred to several times tonight. About 20 years ago, we launched a division of our ministry to establish deliverance teams in cities all over the world. At that time, there was a very popular slogan that I thought was one of the dumbest slogans I'd ever heard. No offense intended. And that slogan was, what would Jesus do? I thought that was the most pathetic, anemic thing I'd ever heard in my life. What would Jesus do? So I said, who wants to ask a dumb question like that? when we know what he did. So, we turned it on his head and called it, do what Jesus did. And that has been a theme of this conference, and you know what he did, right? Amen? <laughs> he preached the gospel. He healed the sick physically, mentally, and emotionally. And he cast out demons. It's just so simple. It's right there in the Great Commission. In fact, in the Great Commission, in Mark 16, the very first sign of the authenticity of the gospel of Christ is this. Go into the world, preach the gospel, etc., 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 and these signs shall follow. What's the first sign? You'll speak in tongues. No. You will prophesy. No. You will heal the sick. No. The first sign of the authenticity of the gospel is very simple. How can we avoid it? How has the church escaped it? How does every mega church in America avoid it? The first sign of the authenticity, the truth, the credibility of the gospel is this. In my name, you will cast out demons. That proves the gospel. We have an online school of exorcism where we train people to cast out demons. It's really cool. You were handed a flyer when you came in tonight. It's all online. 
You can take me with you in your pocket 24-7. Study it, learn it, get certified, and then be personally mentored by me. Everybody who can should enroll in this school. Before you leave tonight, leave that flyer at the table out there. We teach people to do this. You can learn this. To cast out demons. It's what we're supposed to do. So we started do what Jesus did teams. Deliverance teams. We now have them all over the country. We don't have one here. We do have one in Portland and we do have one in Seattle. And you'll meet later some of our dear friends in Seattle. But I do want you to meet a very precious woman who heads up our team in Portland. Now, this dear lady and her husband were part of our ministry. But they didn't take a leadership role until this dear lady's husband died. Now, most widows in their 70s, sort of, would just curl up in a corner in their grief and waste away. Pastor Idra chose at a time when most people are looking for the cushiest retirement home possible to answer the call of God. And this woman has traveled with me all over the world. They love her. She is the Mother Teresa of Ukraine. <laughs> they so appreciate her boldness for Jesus. Dear sweet lady, Pastor Idra from Portland, who heads our do what Jesus did team there and tries to keep in line all these teams all over the country. Please greet these people, would you? I am so honored and so excited to be with you tonight. This has been so spiritually encouraging and uplifting and it just gives, gives your spirit a jump start to be here. And I want you to know, I feel like I took a little trip to Ukraine tonight because of the way you worship. I love Ukraine, love the Russian people. And this was just like a, a little trip to Ukraine. Loved it. Uh, I do want you to know that we have a Do It Jesus Did team in Portland. I'm also the regional director for the Northwest region, which includes the state of Washington and Oregon. And I am recruiting. Pastor Bob mentioned we don't have a Do What Jesus Did team here in the Tri-Cities area yet. But I am praying and trusting that we're going to get a really strong, on fire, solid Do What Jesus Did team out of this area. What do you say to that? So I'm not just Pastor Idra, I'm also the recruiter. Thank you. Give her a hand, would you? One more thing before we begin this evening. And can you pull me up in this mic a little bit louder, please, so I can not have to get it so close? We brought with us a number of our books, some of which are available in Spanish and Russian. We only have just limited numbers of those. But the books that we did bring with us on the table in the lobby, I encourage you to get tonight for two reasons. Starting tomorrow, I will be teaching from these books. We'll read from them, we'll follow along together, we'll say prayers together, so to have the book in your hand to follow with me is crucial. So get as many of these books as you can tonight and bring them with you. We give you a special price in our conferences. It's just a break-even price for us by the time we buy them and ship them here. This is my book on curse breaking. You need this book tomorrow night. Make sure you get it on your way out. We have a limited number, small number of these books in Russian. How many speak Russian? A lot. All right, so we do have it available in Russian. And then, also a little bit tomorrow night and on to the sunny, we're going to be teaching on the spirit of Jezebel. This is our book in Jezebel. Once again, 
you're going to need this book tomorrow night. So get it, bring it back with you, do not leave it home. How many of you have this book already? Quite a few, that's great. Many of you do not, please don't just fly out of here afterwards, get that book on your way out, which is also available in Russian. And also, I know we have some Spanish-speaking people here. How many speak Spanish? Okay. Well, I didn't bring enough. So uh, our curse-breaking book, we have a limited number, grab them quick, available in Spanish. If we run out, you can go to our website and order it. And also, uh, as I said, the curse-breaking book is available in Russian. Our very latest book is called Dealing with Demons, just came out a couple of months ago. We'll also teach from this tomorrow night and on Sunday, and maybe even a little bit tomorrow morning. So, Dealing with Demons. This book represents a lifetime of understanding how to find demons in people's lives. Much of what we do is personal one-on-one -on -one sessions with people. And I'm totally booked for tomorrow. I only had a few appointments available this weekend. If somebody absolutely wants one, see me afterwards. I might be able to squeeze one in Sunday. But I don't have a lot of time for them. But must, much of my time is spent in personally ministering to people in a one-on-one -on -one setting. I probably, because of the longevity of this ministry, have done more one-on-one -on -one personally counseling with people than anyone alive, including most therapists. You learn a lot by dealing one-on-one -on -one with people's issues. And very often I have been gifted to the Lord and it is his grace and insight and revelation that he gives me to sit down with someone and in a matter of minutes figure out do they have demons or don't they? How do they get them and how are we going to get rid of them? Now, that's not a skill that you learn overnight. That's not a gift that you cultivate overnight. So what I've done is put that process down into this book so that with friends and loved ones and family members, you can have some insights into their behavior and whether or not it's truly demonic. Because many people have a basic question, and the question is this. Is it me or the devil? Do I just need to pray more? Do I just need to go to church more? Give more? Fast more? Whatever. And then I'll be okay. And those are standard solutions in most evangelical churches. How would you know if it's a demon? This is the book that's going to help you find out. And then my daughter being with us tomorrow... She has written her first book. It's called The Dark Side of the Supernatural. She's going to talk about this tomorrow morning. Her experiences of ministering one-on-one -on -one as a young person to young people involved in the occult. She's particularly concerned about things like paranormal romance novels, the whole Harry Potter craze, and what's really behind it. Vampires, shapeshifters, all the paranormal that fascinates young people today. She's had an incredible amount of experience in direct one-on-one -on -one ministry with people, young people, demonized because of these things. And this is her book about it. So please, please, on your way out, get these books, hang on to them, bring them back tomorrow night with you, and bring them with you tomorrow morning so that we will have the opportunity not just to teach you, but to really sink this information deep into you. Now, many of you watch me on YouTube, and many of you have attended our conferences, and, and you've watched us cast out demons. How do people get demons? How does an individual become the repository of evil spirits to the extent they need an exorcist? I've documented 40,000, that's 40,000 cases of demonic possession over my ministerial career in 100 countries.
That's a lot. 40,000. I heard a preacher, famous preacher, you'd all know his name, state recently in a national article in a Christian magazine that he'd only met five people in his whole life who were demonically possessed. You know this person, highly respected. You watch him on TV, you may have read his books. And in his ministry, he's met five. I meet five in a day, not a lifetime. And many times people come to me and they say, Pastor Bob, I don't know if I have demons or not. You tell me. <laughs> You're the exorcist. Do I have demons? Now, there's a whole process that I take people through. But there's some very basic things that I want to know about an individual. If you're here tonight and you have demons, you may not even know it. In fact, most people don't. Forget what you see in Hollywood. That's not anywhere near the reality of demonic possession. The majority of people don't know they have demons. At the very least, they might suspect that strange things are happening to them. Some years ago, the New York Times was interviewing me and asked me a question, and I made a statement off the cuff. I guess I should have been more careful talking to the most mad newspaper in America. They said, what percentage of the population do you think have demons? And I said to them, 50%. And later I thought, how stupid could I be? It's at least 75 or 80, maybe 90. Pastor Bob, are you suggesting that at least 50% of these people here tonight have demons? Oh, I forgot. You're Christians. You can't have demons. Some of you, your pastor told you so. That famous radio or television evangelist told you so. You can't have demons, you're a Christian. You're a blood-bought child of Jesus. And when you come to the cross and you are covered by the blood of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, you cannot, I say you cannot, ever have a demon. Sister, you're just not praying enough. You're not tithing enough. Usually to them. So if this is mostly a Christian audience, how could it be possible that half of you have demons? They're hiding, waiting, lurking in dark corners. I have an interesting family. As I said, you'll meet my beautiful 22-year-old oldest daughter tomorrow. I owe a great deal of credit to my wonderful wife who has homeschooled all three children. It's quite a thing in this day and age to have three beautiful daughters, 22, 18, 15, who are virgins and love Jesus. <laughs> it doesn't happen much these days. And I credit my wife with a lot of that. And They've watched this ministry through the years. And they've seen the most unsuspecting people come across my path. Try to kill me. Attack me. Manifest violently. Speak in strange languages. And do some really weird things. They're believers. But how can that be? We'll not solve that issue tonight. But I do want to point out to you one crucial, basic, fundamental fact of spiritual warfare. Job chapter 1, beginning in verse 6, it says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, Where do you 
Where do you come from? So the devil said, from going to and fro on the earth and walking back and forth. He's a very busy guy. The Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him on earth? A blameless and upright man, one that fears God and shuns evil. So Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? And here the devil is before the Lord and he's saying, give me a break, God. The only reason Job serves you is all the goodies you give him, the benefits. Have you not made a hedge around him, his household, and around all that he has? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. Now, most of you know the rest of this story. We won't go into it, but the devil said there was a hedge, or there was a, a barrier protection around Job. And that's what was keeping the devil back. What is that hedge? What is that barrier? What is that protection? And how does the devil get past it? Now, as I said a moment ago, I have three daughters. And my wonderful wife has four women and four cats. All female. Who do I talk to about Thursday night football? <laughs> I used to hate cats. But when I married my wife, a cat came with her. What are you going to do? You're in love. The cat's part of the package. I've learned to like cats. There's much to be said for cats. They have one amazing characteristics. And this characteristic is very different from dogs. It's patience. Pa dogs aren't patient, you know that. You come in the room, they start barking, bop, 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 they yap. They, I know, we have a big dog, a little dog, a 90-pounder and a 5-pounder. Belgian Malinois watchdog, highly trained, He'll get you if you come after me. And a chihuahua, who's really the most dangerous, or at least sounds like it. And one of those is female, too. But back to the cats. You know, dogs are here, there, and everywhere. But cats, you ever watch them? How many cat lovers do we have? <laughs> You're noisier for your cat than you were for Jesus. Okay. Are they not patient creatures? Let one insect or one bird fly by the window and that cat will pop up there and sit there for hours thinking it's coming back, right? So in 1 Peter 5, when the Bible says the devil is a roaring lion, seeks about, walks about seeking whom he may devour, he's talking about the patience. Peter's referring to how patient Satan is to just keep circling, trying to find you. And here's what he's looking for. He's looking for a way to get you. Now, how's he going to get you? We all come into this world with a hedge, a barrier of protection. It's God-given. It is the innocence of our inheritance as a human being. We are born in innocence. Satan wants to get past your innocence and destroy your life. Because, you know, John 10.10 10 says he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. How does the devil get past your innocence? Well, there are several ways, and it's the ways that you get demons. So follow me carefully. This is not going to be complicated. Three basic ways. Satan gets past the hedge and he's able to influence your life. To oppress you, possess you. Christian or non-Christian. Let's just forget that spurious argument. 
Christians can and do have demons. 40,000 exorcisms, 95% of them are born again Christians. The documentation is there. Your favorite preacher who tells you Christians can't have demons has never cast out one, let alone 40,000. Probably never done an exorcism or five. doesn't know what he's talking about. He may be talented, gifted, and capable and anointed in other areas. Great. But don't listen to somebody who doesn't have empirical knowledge to back up what they believe when they get into a realm that is not exactly clear in scripture, such as the practical aspects of actually casting out a demon. Now, very simply put, here's three ways. And just for a couple of minutes, I'm going to speak to you on a simple theme. The theme is this. Get your stuff before your stuff gets you. Get your stuff before your stuff gets you. Okay? Thank you. We have a Zen Buddhist among us, the sound of one hand clapping. Thank you, sir. Get your stuff. Say it with me. Get your stuff. Before your stuff, get you. Let's try it again. Get your stuff. Before your stuff, get you. Now you got stuff. You all got stuff. And most of you have stuffed your stuff. And you're not dealing with your stuff. And it'll get you. And Satan is patient, and he will lurk, he will prowl, and he will wait for a time to attack. I don't care how well you think you're doing now. I don't care how on fire you are for Christ now. If you got stuff, it's going to come back to bite you in the you-know-what sooner or later, and it won't be pretty. So let's get rid of it. Now, three basic ways. You get your stuff. We'll talk more about this tomorrow, but you, number one, inherit it from your ancestors. Now, I could give you a long treatise on that. I could give you an extensive biblical apologetic, but we don't have time for that. Read my book on curse breaking. It's all there. But when the Bible speaks about the sins being visited under the third and fourth generation... When the Bible talks about the generational propensity and inclination toward evil that many of you were born with, that's what it's talking about. Some of you were born with demons. When sperm met egg, you got demons. They've always been with you. You don't know what it's like to be without them. You have normalized your possession. It's a way of life. You have made friends with your demons. Now listen to me. There's so much a part of you, you don't know what's them and what's you. Unless somebody like me comes along and confronts it, you'll go on your way thinking you're okay. And all that stuff is there. So your ancestors passed that stuff on to you. Generational family curses. We now know in terms of modern science with the genome project and DNA and genetics how this works. You get my new book. I have some fascinating information in dealing with demons about the most recent research into the inheritance of trauma. 
I've known this for decades as a practical matter, casting out demons, that you inherit the trauma of your ancestors. Your great, 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 whatever was raped or incested or molested. And it's been happening to every single woman or man in the bloodline for hundreds of years. It hit you, it hit mom, it hit grandma. It's in the blood, it's in the genetics. Read the studies that I quote in that book from modern neuroscience that is now validating what those of us who teach curse breaking have known for a very long time. That stuff is there. You got it when you were born. And unless you've gone through a deliverance process, it's still there. Everybody needs deliverance. That's the utter ludicrousity, no stupidity of the evangelical church in America that we don't need this. Everybody needs it. Everybody needs some type of deliverance process that introspectively goes through prayers, dealing with the stuff in your life and renouncing the evil of your ancestors. Your ancestors raped, your ancestors killed, your ancestors incested. They worship false God. They made human sacrifice. They entered into blood covenants. Everyone in this room has someone in the bloodline who did that. You've either dealt with it, brought it to the cross, renounced it, and been freed from it, or you haven't. Now, not everybody who has a generational curse has a demon, granted. But you'll never know if you do until you start breaking the curses. And sometimes I sit down with people, and pastor knows what I'm talking about, you don't get very far. You start leading them in a curse-breaking prayer, and you're about 60 seconds, sometimes five seconds into it, and they're manifesting a demon. Because you're challenging the power base of that generational demon who's hanging on to that stuff. Get your stuff, your stuff's going to get you. So number one, get rid of the stuff that was handed you by your ancestors. Secondly, get rid of the stuff that was given to you by those in authority over you. Primarily parents, but it could be a pastor. Or any significant individual to whom you ceded authority by allowing them in some way to speak over your life in some type of soul bond, soul tie, or connection. Most generally, though, that's going to be apparent. So everybody in this room was basically raised by affirming, loving parents or non-affirming, non-loving parents. And those in the latter category may have had it even worse your parents may have mocked, ridiculed, belittled, or verbally, God forbid, sexually abused you. What's that all about? Your parents cursed you. When your parents told you you were stupid, you were never going to mount anything, they opened the door to demons. There was no hedge left. There was no implicit innocence that you were born with. They shoved it aside. God gave you innocence at birth. But if your parents speak curses over you, the protection of that innocence is invalidated. Because your parents have the right to speak blessing or cursing to you. If they speak curses, there's an open door to the devil. This is not complicated. So, the stuff that's in your life may be there because your ancestors passed it on to you, your parents declared it over you, or you opened the door. You invited your own stuff in. And believe me, there are a lot of people here tonight who have opened a lot of doors to a lot of stuff. 
Uh, Pastor Bob, my, my pastor told me, my, my, my favorite radio preacher told me when I got saved, that's all dealt with. He lied. Lied? Let's just say that he was injudicious in evaluating the complexities of the eschatological significance of your life in terms of the ebb and flow of circumstances. Make you feel better? But he lied to you because he didn't know what he was talking about. See, when you become a child of God, your sins are forgiven. That's cool. You're going to heaven. You live like hell, but you're going to heaven. Why do you live like hell? Because you got stuff. Nobody told you to get rid of your stuff. Nobody said, get saved, get rid of your stuff. What does that mean, Pastor Bob? It means you can be a Christian. Bought by the blood of Jesus, but not sanctified, not clean, not holy, not quite fixed yet. A work in progress. And while you're a work in progress, there may be areas of your life where you open doors to Satan before you became a Christian. And those doors have never really been closed. I was so touched by this dear lady's testimony, and I can't remember you, but I do remember you in Portland. <laughs> and, and the things that she's doing to close the doors, getting involved in rehab, staying clean, getting a good education, doing things that gets rid of the stuff, positive steps in her life. But many people get saved. Come on, Pastor Blad knows exactly what I'm talking about. Other pastors here know exactly what I'm talking about. People get saved and that's it, man. They don't go anywhere. They stop dead. The stuff stays there. It ferments. It becomes toxic. And it'll destroy you. It'll kill you. If you don't get rid of your stuff. We're not asking you to confess your sins all over again if you're a Christian. We're saying dig down and ask the Holy Spirit if there's an area of your life where you open the door to the devil that has never been fully closed, such as an addiction. Excellent example. You've never renounced that addiction. You've never broken its hold. And if there's a demon attached to it, you've never gotten rid of that demon of addiction. And particularly for those of you who have any kind of background in any form of the occult or new age, and I see this on a daily basis, people get saved. They, you know, they went to a psychic. Well, I'm saved. What's the big deal here? Well, that sin of witchcraft still has power in your life to torment you. And you may have gotten demons by going to that psychic, and those demons didn't go anywhere when you got saved. Well, where are they? Well, they're not in your spirit. That belongs to Jesus, but they're hiding in your thoughts, your feelings, and your emotions. They're in your mind. They're in your psyche. They're in your soul. And they're not going until somebody tells them to go. Say, so Pastor Bob, I've watched you on YouTube, and you get up there, you pace back and forth, you get that cross, you yell at those demons. Why do you do that? Because some demons don't go until you tell them to go. They don't leave until you make them leave. So that's my job. And because of it, Satan has one of these hanging in hell, right next to a wanted poster of me. And my job is to put yours right next to mine. To challenge the demons, to get to your stuff.
Get the stuff out of you. In simple terms, you really don't know how good being a Christian can be. If what you have now you think is good, just imagine if you got delivered how good good could be. You just don't know it. You've settled for so much less than you have to settle for. Now, you've got to hear me on this. You may be in this band. You may be one of the singers. You could be one of the ushers. And you love Jesus. You really are sold out to God as far as you know how to be. But the stuff is hiding. Nobody ever explained to you how to get rid of it. Nobody ever challenged it. Thank God for this pastor. Thank God for a hungry generation. Thank God for a bunch of people who are challenging the devil and not letting you keep your stuff. Come on, amen. Well, I'm one more person that's come along to challenge it. How many of you want to keep your stuff? How many do you want to get rid of your stuff? Okay. You just signed up for deliverance. Let's get rid of it. <clears throat> so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to challenge your stuff. How many of you watch me on YouTube? Great. None of you will act like that tonight. Well, you might. Who cares? Who cares? If you get rid of your stuff, who cares? Well, I don't want to manifest demons. I might embarrass myself. Honey, those demons already caused you to embarrass yourself many, many times. It ain't going to get any worse. Now, not everybody needs a full-blown exorcism. You can breathe them out, cough them out, spit them out, just sigh them out. Sometimes. But sometimes you need the real deal. Does it really matter what level of deliverance you need or how much you need? Let's just start the process. Okay? Well, that was an overwhelming response of affirmation. Okay. How about I rebuke the devil? How about I confront him in you? And we see what happens. Now you just might sit there and nothing happens. Because sometimes people come with their demons, they're just not ready. This is not about me, it's about him. I'm just the instrument to bring you to the place where you can release yourself to the Lord and get free. But maybe you're not ready to do that yet. Okay. But if you are, let's not think about how it should happen. Just let it happen. When people sit down with me in personal sessions, I, I say to them something like this. Let me do my job. Let me do what I do. Right now, you don't have to do anything. I don't need you to pray. Don't pray. You've already been praying. This is not the time to pray. 
You've already prayed. The Lord knows you want to be free. The Lord knows you love him. The Lord knows you want to serve him more. So that's already been decided. So don't start begging God to deliver you. You don't have to beg God for something he's already promised to give you. Stop begging God to deliver you. It's yours. Just, we're going to claim it tonight. All right, so just sit there. And whatever you feel, feel. And nobody feels anything. I get a good night's sleep, a short nap, go back out the airport and see my daughter. If you feel something on the other hand, let's get rid of it. So here's what you need to do. When I rebuke the devil, just whatever you feel, let it happen. If you want to scream, scream. If you want to cry, cry. You want to get a little crazy, get a little crazy. Demons are crazy. Demons are emotional. If you sit there like a statue, nothing's going to happen. Yield to the evil, become the evil. Did he say that? Yes, because right now you're in a deliverance mode. I need you to be the devil. That's in you so I can get it out of you. By God's grace. But if you're sitting there like the church lady, ain't nothing going to happen. So just relax. Let me rebuke the devil. And you just let whatever happens, happen. But I want you just for a moment to think. Did my ancestors open a, door, open a door? Did my parents open a door? Did I open a door? So let's just play, pray a short prayer to fix that. Now the first part of that prayer, keep your head up, eyes open and look at me, is to turn to the greatest power in this universe that can set you free and the only power that can get rid of your demons. So say, in the name of Jesus, the Son of God, who rose from the dead, I place my trust in Christ. That's it. It's fine. It's fine. Forgive me, Lord, for my sins. I trust in you as my Savior. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Demonstrate your power over all the work of Satan. I renounce the evil of my ancestors. The lust, anger, violence, murder, every false god, every blood sacrifice, All false worship. All the evil of all my ancestors. I renounce. Those curses are broken. I break the curse of every evil word my parents have spoken. Those in authority spoke into my life that were evil and I repent of the evil in my own life every door I opened those sins are forgiven as a child of God <clears throat> I break their curses and I put those sins 
under the blood of Jesus. By this confession, I am a child of God. I belong to him. I remove every legal right by the blood of Jesus. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Hungry Generation. Stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat by using at HungryGen. Stay blessed, and we'll see you next week.